0: Anxiety comes from thinking that we can't handle it, whatever it is. When we look at our experience of our life, we have handled it. We've handled all that in the past and you will handle it again. And whatever life brings to you today or tomorrow, you you will handle that too.
1: I'm Nicole Holcomb, attorney by day and podcaster by night, a former educator, school counselor, and administrator and mom to a nine-year-old daughter with dyslexia who loves all things Harry Potter, Minecraft, and science. I mean, who doesn't, right? A few years ago, she was identified with dyslexia and our life seemed to turn upside down for a while and quite literally. I created the Dyslexia Mom Life podcast to help you navigate the upside down journey of dyslexia. You got this. If you're wanting to thrive as a mom in this dyslexia journey, then you're in the right place. Let's get started. Hey there, welcome back to another episode of the Dyslexia Mom Life Podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Holcomb. Thank you so much for listening. I know you have a lot of options when it comes to podcasts, and the fact that you chose to listen in today means the world to me, so thanks again for being here. Today, we are continuing with our Back to School miniseries, all focused on thriving this school year. And today is very special. We have with us Jamie Jackson Spanhake. And she's going to talk all about how you find the calm in your chaos. Jamie is a lawyer, writer, mediator, speaker, and a certified health coach. Oh, and by the way, she's also a mom to a daughter who's dyslexic. Her mission is to help people with those competing responsibilities, enjoy their busy lives without feeling overwhelmed. And I don't know about you, but my hand is raised and I'm ready to learn all about that. Jamie is also the author of The Lawyer, the Lion, and the Laundry, Three Hours to Finding Your Calm in the Chaos. Today, Jamie's going to share some information about the book, share her insights about how you go about going from overwhelmed to thriving, and I look so forward to the conversation. So thank you for tuning in and enjoy part one today. Welcome so much, Jamie. I'm so glad for you to be here with us today. Thank you so
0: much, Nicole. I am very excited to be here as well.
1: So before we dive in today, I thought you could share a little bit about yourself. I did share some information about you in the introduction, but I'd love for you to tell the listeners uh, more about yourself and, you know, how you got the idea for your book and how you got into this work.
0: Yeah. So I am an author and a coach and a lawyer and a single mom. So um, I have a lot going on just like you and I'm sure a lot of your listeners And, um, you know, as an author and a coach, I help busy professionals and moms um, achieve more while doing less. And I do that based upon the principles in my book, which I'll tell you a little bit more about shortly. But the principles in the book really guide the reader or the coaching uh, client through a practical strategy that I've developed over the last 10 years and that I've practiced in my own life to... Be able to achieve a lot without feeling so overwhelmed and exhausted. And um, my book, as I'm sure you mentioned, is um, The Lawyer, the Lion, and the Laundry, Three Hours to Finding Your Calm in the Chaos. And it's broken down into six principles that are time management strategies and also what I call mind management strategies, which is um, ways to think about time and life that make it easier to manage, and I, I got started um, and had the idea for this book, mm, it probably came into existence in maybe 2006, <laughs> and then it took a long time to get from initial idea to publication, and um, you know, I'm a certified health coach through the Int- Institute for Integrative Nutrition in New York City, and I'm a lawyer and because I have those two backgrounds I started writing articles for an online blog called attorney at work for their um, fitness and health and wellness section for lawyers and what I started noticing over the course of five or six years of writing those um, posts for them is that there were about six principles that kept repeating themselves in a lot of my articles, that no matter what the problem was that one was trying to address, there were these six things that kept coming up as ways to manage whatever the problem was. And I thought, wow, well, that's that would be a great strategy for managing your life in a way that um, makes it more enjoyable and successful. So over time, I um, synthesized these six principles after reading probably, I don't know, a hundred self-help books over the course of time. I'm a little bit of a self-help junkie Um, going back to Tony Robbins in 1994, maybe (laughs) when uh, he was still on a 24 cassette tape uh, program. Um, But anyway, I distilled these um, principles down into these strategies in the book and um took me two years to write it, and then now it's out, and I developed a coaching program based upon those principles and hoping to reach and help as many people as possible with it. Um, and then as a lawyer, I um, practice in Connecticut and New York. I'm in a partner in a small firm here, and um, as a mom, I have a nine-year-old daughter with dyslexia. And I had two dogs and two cats. So that's a little bit about what I got going on.
1: Awesome. So I absolutely love that it's a short book. It's very clear. It's very concise. It's packed full of, you know, just amazing tips and guidance. But I mean, I actually read it one night at the urgent care. I'd gotten it in the mail had a horrible sinus infection and was literally sitting at the urgent care for like two and a half hours. And I'm like, I'm going to take this book with me. <laughs> and so it was, and so the point of that is, is that you really can read it anytime, you know, in between what's going on in your life. Um, and so I love that. I love that it's, it's, you know, very concise and, and like you, I too uh, love to read just all types of things about just self-improvement and things of that nature. So it's great to find it Condensed and very clear and concise and easy to follow, so I I think that's amazing.
0: Well, thank Um, you. Yeah, but you know, it was much longer. It had lots of exercises. It was probably twice as long originally. And um, a friend of mine, you know, I I let her read it an early version before it was published, and she said, "You know, this is a book for busy people. It should be short because they're busy." (laughs) I was like, "Yes, exactly." So I did. I made it so that you could work through it and then start implementing you know, in a short period of time.
1: Right. Cause I mean, even on the front three hours defining finding your calm and the chaos, I mean, it, it tells you right off the bat, it's it's going to be a, a, a quick read, but it's still great quality. So the lawyer, the line and the laundry, you do want to share a little bit with the audience about what, what does that title mean to you? Cause I love that analogy. So I'd love for you to, to share that.
0: Yeah. So um, it's about the roles that we play in life, right? So it's, written mostly for professionals who are trying to balance home and work. And so the lawyer, because I'm a lawyer, represents the professional part of your life. And um, the lion represents the internal portion of your world, right? Um, The the way that we use our minds and uh, how that can help or hurt us. So I'll tell the story that's in in the book about why um, the lion Because in meditation, there is a story about the lion versus the dog. And it goes like this, that you're in a room um, and in that room with you is a dog and you have a bone in your hand. And as you move the bone around, the dog follows every move of the bone. So if you move the bone to the right, the dog follows the bone. You move the bone to the left, the dog follows the bone. And if you throw the bone into the corner, the dog almost has no choice. The dog. Chases the bone into the corner. It's like nothing else matters but that bone Whereas if you were in the same room with the same bone with a lion the lion would see the bone But he would also see you And would be interested in you and if you move the bone around the lion might follow the bone around But he's really more interested in you and if you throw the bone into the corner then the lion we'll probably look and see that the bone went into the corner, but is not likely to follow the bone into the corner. So the analogy is that the bone is like your thoughts and you want to be mindful of which thoughts you're following and paying attention to. Um, so that you're not being distracted from the things that really matter to you by whatever thoughts you have going on in your head or random things going on around you in, in life. So. You want to be more like the lion. And then the laundry is basically everything else. Your laundry list of things that you have to get done in life. So that's the title.
1: That's, a, that's excellent. I love it. Can you share a little bit about, you talked about it very briefly just now, but how, how do we go about choosing, you know, you talk a good bit about that in the book, you know, when you think about what those priorities are, how do we go about choosing what we want and what we should be thinking? what our thoughts should be and what we should be working towards.
0: Yeah. So, you know, I really think it starts with a value system. And that's where I started in the book too, is the first chapter is all about your values. And, you know, a really good way to do that is by asking yourself questions. You know, what kind of person do you want to be? What, what kind of place do you want to live in? What kind of people do you want around you? What kind of roles do you want to play? Do you want to be a parent, a spouse? An employee, a a leader, a a child, what are all the roles that you want to play in life? Um, What kind of spiritual practice do you want to have? Is that important to you? What kind of financial situation um, is important to you? What does financial security mean to you? All these questions that help you figure out what your values are. And then to sit down and write a value statement. So like a company would have a mission statement, you would write your own value statement. Because when you are clear on what's important to you, it makes it much easier to say yes and to say no to the things that are moving the ball forward in the way that you want it to go. So we are so often inundated with requests and even opportunities Um, And it can be hard to know what to say yes and no to. And if we're not mindful about it, we end up overwhelming ourselves. And sometimes we end up overwhelming ourselves with things that we don't actually even want to be doing or (laughs) that aren't helping us have the life that we want to have. So being clear on what we want and then asking ourselves for every opportunity or, or request, is this in line with my values? And if the answer is no, then
1: maybe it's not something that you want to take on. Right. And and often, and often at least I can speak, you know, from a perspective of a, a working mom, you know, we often fall back on being overwhelmed. And I put that in air quotes, being overwhelmed it's I'm so overwhelmed and there's so much to do. And I know I've started making a conscious decision to really stop trying to use that word and really starting to sh- shift my mindset differently and trying to really think about what why am I using that word? Where's that coming from? And so I love in the book that you talk about your time list. And we all have the same amount of time every day, every week, every month, every year. Um
0: can you share a little bit about that with us? Sure. Yeah. So as you said, you know, we all have 168 hours in a week. Right. And No matter how much you have to do, that's how much time you have in a week, 168 hours. And we're all very very busy. And whenever we talk to ourselves about how busy we are or how overwhelmed we are um, or how we just don't have enough time, we really start internalizing that as a fact. It's like your brain can't tell the difference whether it's just something that you're saying or if it's a fact. And so when you say, oh, I'm just so busy or, oh, I'm so overwhelmed, you know, like you're saying, you start to think that you really, that really is a fact. And you start feeling victimized by your 168 hours a week. <laughs> so whenever we stop saying those things, you know, I've I've really tried to stop saying, oh, I'm so busy. Yeah, right. Everybody's so busy, right? It doesn't even mean anything. <laughs> and it doesn't help me because when I say it, it makes me feel More rushed, right? Exactly, yeah. So, um, when we start saying to ourselves things like I have too much to do instead of I don't have enough time, we empower ourselves to make changes because we can't change how many hours are in a week, what we can change is what we do. So, we empower ourselves to start asking questions and viewing things in a way that's helpful for us. So if I say I have too much to do, I can say, okay, well, are there some things that I could just not do, right? Um, is there someone else that could do these things that need to be done? And the idea is to, to reduce the things that we have to do so that we have realistic expectations as to what we can achieve in the 168 hours a week uh, that we have. Yeah.
1: And I love that you talked about the, I think you call them the three B's, yes. as far as adjusting your expectations. And I just think that's, you know, sometimes it's almost like, well, duh, I should know that, right? I mean, some things seem so common sense, but when you read it from someone else, it's almost like it just kind of clicks with you that's and you think, oh, yes, that makes perfect sense. That's right. And so that's that's a great advice as well, I love that, yeah, book.
0: yeah, and you know I tried to so you know the book is synthesizing it's it's my synthesis of a lot of other information that I took in, like it's and you know that's the benefit of it is it took what I learned from other people and synthesized it into the three hours, but to your point, you know the three b's can you bag it, can you barter it, can you um, better it, you know, there are some things that you can just decide not to do. There will be consequences, but, you know, <laughs> if you're okay with the consequences, then maybe you can just not do it, right? Um, bartering it is having someone else do it for you. And then bettering it is there are some things that you have to do yourself, like no one can work out for you. No one can sleep for you. You know, if you figure out how to do that, please let me know, (laughs) Um, but but you figure out a way to make it better. So, you know, I give an example in the book of, I wanted to start running and so I couldn't, I didn't like it and I didn't want to do it. So, but I really wanted to do it. Um so I found a running club that I could run with. So I bettered it so that I could make it work for me.
1: Right. That's a great example. Yeah. So I also love what you were saying, too, about, you know, when we're thinking about what, what has to be done and how can we ask. Um, I think you said barter it, but also you talk a, a good bit in the book about. It really is one of my favorite parts, probably because it's an area that I need to continue to work on as a type A personality, which is that whole piece about asking for help Uh and finding your support groups. And those those things, I think, are just invaluable. And I think as working professionals, you know, we oftentimes do have that type A personality where we want to do it all. And it's hard to to walk away from that sometimes. But I love the idea of and, and again, it's a work in progress as all of us are works in progress, but I love that you just you just call it out. You just say, Hey, you need to ask for help. And it's okay to ask for help. And you you absolutely should be asking for help. And so sometimes we just need someone else to give us that permission. To say it's okay to say, you know what, I'm going to hire someone to come in and clean the house, or I'm going to participate in that carpool, uh, because that frees up three of my days a week, you know, whatever that look like. And so I love that you talk about that in the book, because I do think, as you look at your time and your time management, it's, it's so essential to figure out how to ask for help and, and how to have that support group as far as who are, who are my people who can be there and and how can I help
0: others as well? That's right. Yeah. You know, um, we don't need to martyr ourselves. (laughs) You know, you, you, we may be able to do every single thing, but that doesn't mean that we should, right. There might be a better way to have a more enjoyable life by asking for help. And let's not forget that it's, it's two side. like people like to help you, right? People like to help me. It makes them, when you help someone, it makes you feel good too, right? So right. it's, it's, it's a little bit of a gift sometimes to let someone help you. And whenever we are type A and we maybe are perfectionists as well. Um, yeah. Right. We, we have a hard time delegating because are asking for help for for two reasons, I think. One, we're afraid that the other people won't do it the quote-unquote right way, right? And two, like, oh, but I should be able to do it all because I'm, you know, this successful person. I shouldn't have to ask for help. But all the most successful people in the world have, like, a whole support network that helps them. That's how they are successful, right? You just can't there's only so many hours in a day. You can't do everything yourself if you have a bunch of stuff that you want or need to do. So whenever we're in that situation where we're feeling overwhelmed and we're saying, oh, how can I do all this? What you know what do I have to do? How do I schedule this out? How do I And I had this experience yesterday, actually where I had everything changed last minute. And I thought, oh my gosh, I have all this stuff now I have to do that I didn't have to do you know, 12 hours ago. How am I gonna do all this? And I was working it out like, okay, I can go from here to there and I'll be there and then I can pick up this. And, and then I thought, wait, I could ask someone else to do some of this, <laughs> right? <laughs> and so I made a phone call and it, it gave me an extra 45 minutes, which is what I needed, you know? Okay. Um, so don't only ask, how can I do this? and make all this work, but who can help me do all this? And it could be someone that you pay. It could be someone that you pay with money. It could be someone that you return the favor. It could be, you know, a family member that's just happy to help you or a good friend. Um, But it's really, really important. And that's, as you know, one of the chapters in the book is defining who your support network is and who are those people that you can reach out to um, when you need to.
1: And I think, too, another part of that that's I don't think you necessarily talk about it in the book, but another thing that I've also made a conscious effort for, uh, I, I think you have talked about that because I've seen it on some of your social posts, which is, you know, the trap of our time being sucked up or lost into social media or the news. And especially right now, there's just a lot of uncertainty in the world in general. There's a lot of uncertainty about we're recording this on August the 1st. Yay for August. Hey, August. So back to school season. And so there are, you know, just a lot of uncertainties. And, the, and again, for those of us that are very type A and, and perfectionist, it's, it's a difficult season to live in. And so, you know, as I think about how to best position, you know, moms going forward to thrive this year, especially starting out the school year, and it looks different for everybody I talk to. There's no typical start to the school year this year. It's starting at different times. It's starting in different settings. It may look different in three weeks. Like we just don't know. And so I think about that support group, but I also want people to be cautious about, you know, be protective of who that is. Because as you know, on social media, you really can get sucked into the negativity. And so I've made a conscious effort to be very particular about the groups and the people I follow, yeah. because, you know, as we know, those, the people that we follow are the are what's in our head, right? So we want to really surround ourselves with, and, and we all have a bad day, so I don't mean that, but I think we should really be conscious about who we choose to be our support people and what we follow um, and it may just be, I think you've said this before as well. Some of your social posts is that sometimes you just have to walk away from the news, right? I mean, sometimes you just need to turn it off and take a break and I, yeah. I want people to it's okay. Yeah, sometimes you know, So
0: I that's, and that's an interesting um, topic because I think people struggle with, well, I need to be informed. Right. And uh, now I'm depressed all the time because the news is so negative. Right. But a lot of the news is not necessary information, you know, because so much of it is speculation as to what happened or what is going to happen. And it, I mean, it's really not news. It's not information that's, um, pertinent to what the facts are because so much of it is speculation. And, and then some of it is wrong, you know, false. (laughs) And then some of it is just fear mongering. I mean, that's what Right, you know, ratings is like good for the bad things and the you know terrible things happening. Um, so we do. We have to be very mindful of, um, you know. I just read the headlines, and then if um, if I want to know more, if I feel like it's a it's a topic that I need to know more about or want to know more about, then I will continue listening or reading. Um, but I, I don't listen to. The news, except for on NPR, but sometimes even I will I'll turn that off because it's not it's not helping me in any way.
1: Right, yeah. and I think too about I've seen some posts recently. Uh, I live in Metro Atlanta, so we have lots of surrounding school districts, and I'll see you know a, a, a school uh, a school board's made a particular decision about schools and what it's going to look like, and there's a lot of fear and there's a lot of panic and there's a lot of negativity around. How dare they? And I really want to encourage people to really think about who that support group is. And if you have a group of, of close-knit parents that are are dealing with some of the same struggles you're dealing with as far as raising children with dyslexia, you know, call on those people, have a conversation over the phone. And, you know, it might be helpful. I know some people are creating pods of learning and things like that. Right. If you're looking for a resource, but I know I was guilty even the other night. I was reading a local uh, I think it was a Facebook post. Um I say it's local. I think the school's like 45 minutes from here, but I was looking and there was like 300 comments and everybody was so just unhappy. And I, and I got sucked into that. And I looked down, I was like, Oh my goodness, I just lost, you know, 15 minutes of my precious time. Really. It was just, you know, just watching. And so I thought, you know, this is not the best use of my time. I could be doing else. And so I think it's easy though, because social media does just kind of, I mean, we could do a whole conversation on that, but it really does kind of suck you in. So I really want to tell people that there are people out there though, that want to to work with you. And so I think that piece of the book is, is so helpful and the work that you do as well, because you have to identify or people aligning with similar values. It doesn't have to be exactly like you because you want to, you want people to challenge you, but you also want to make sure that you're aligning yourself with, with, like you said, people that want to help you, that you want to help them, that really it's a give and a take. And it's not, um, you know, really one-sided or, 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 like you said, at the end of the time, if you spent 30 minutes on a post and you're reading through it, and then at the end you feel bad and you're, you're frustrating, you're angry, then maybe that wasn't the best use of your time. So I think some of it also is just being mindful, like yeah. you said, mindful of how that makes us feel. Was that the best way to, to use our time and sometimes you need that. Sometimes you just need to unload. But I think you have to be really cautious and protective of your time. And then how is it making your outlook? You know, how
0: are you responding? Yeah. And I just think people have to be cautious of that. I agree. Any time. Yeah, and I, you know, I think part of the issue now, too, is that there's it's been true the whole time that we don't control much in the world. <laughs> right. But now it's really obvious, right? <laughs> we can't pretend right now that we have control over things. Um, whereas in the past, we've sort of been able to pretend that we do. <laughs> um, but now it's really clear that we don't. And, you know, I had a, a coach uh, of mine once who said to me that anxiety comes from thinking that we can't handle it, whatever it is. And, but our, but it, when we look at our experience of our life, we have handled it, right? Whatever it is, and and I think whether it's your kid having dyslexia or you not knowing what your school is going to look like, or you know you have so many things to do today, you're not sure how it's all going to happen. You have handled all that in the past, and you will handle it again. And whatever life brings to you today, or tomorrow, or next week. You will handle that too. So Brene Brown, whom I love, she says, um, we can do hard things. And it's true, you know, some life can be hard. Um, and this is a challenging time that is hard, and this school year may be challenging and hard, but we do hard things all the time, and we can do hard things, and we will handle it. Um, so letting go of that thought that we have to control it in order to handle it will help us in a situation like this where there's so much uncertainty.
1: Exactly. And I I love um, one of the things that you talk about for tools for handling anxiety. And we did a lot of that this year as far as one of the examples you gave was to grab sunlight. And so I know personally when I found you know, I was working a couple hours and then taking a break and trying to do online education and then taking a break and then going back to work. And, you know, I really had to sometimes just walk, just take a, you know, a 10 minute walk, a 15 minute walk, an hour walk, whatever. But the, if I would go two or three days and literally just stay inside, I could feel a difference, yeah. but the days I would go outside, even if it was for a 20 minute walk, I physically and mentally felt
0: better. Yeah. Well, you know, when we give our brain downtime, when we walk away and especially if we do it outside where it's totally different, we have the fresh air, we have the sunlight, um, our, our brain and our body is so much more productive. And I think that, and health and healthy and happy. And I think often we get into this, um, thought that, Oh, I got to just, Push through, just buckle down. And sometimes, actually all the time, like every 45 minutes, actually, it's scientifically proven,
1: you need to take
0: a break. And while that feels like you're going to be less productive because you're taking this time away, you're actually more productive because you've come back focused and you get more done and less time than if you just powered through. You know, it's the same with getting sleep. Like, oh, I got to stay up late and do this because I got this deadline. You know, and sometimes you do. Like there is this thing that you have to stay up for, but not repeatedly, not every night. And when you get the sleep, your brain can relax and you come back refreshed and you're more productive. So we have to remember to take care of ourselves.
1: Right. And, and that reminds me too, I, I used to for many years thought it was a badge of honor to say I am the ultimate multitasker, right? Like I just thought that was awesome. I could multitask anything and everybody knew it. But then as I get a little older and I get a little wiser, I realize that that really is not helpful at all. So I've started completely switching that and really, and this goes back to your values you were talking about earlier too. really prioritizing. What do I need to be doing? Let me focus my time there. Let's knock that out with good quality and then move on. But and I'm not talking about, you know, folding your laundry and listening to a podcast, obviously that's a fine multitask, but when you are literally checking your email while you're trying to draft something and you're, you know, you're writing something for your boss and then he sends you an email and those breaks of your mind, it really does throw you off. So something you just said reminded me of that, that it's something I've had to
0: really change my mind around in my practice. That's right. So, you know, and I talk about multitasking, um, Often, and, and I like to call it mini tasking instead of tasking, so that you're totally focused on a task for a short amount of time. We had like 45 minutes, 15, 45 minutes, whatever. Um, and you mini task through your day so that um, you still get all those things done, but you're actually focusing in blocks of time, you're mini tasking. Um, so that you're more productive. So at the end of the day, you don't feel so scattered because you're trying to do too many things at once. And you've achieved more because of your mini-tasking. The only time, and you just referred to it, the only time is a good time to multitask is when you're doing a mindless activity, like folding the laundry, combined with a mind activity. Uh, you know, you can chew gum and, and read a book, right? You can pull laundry and listen to a podcast, right? Um, so that, like you said, is a good use of multitask, but not two tasks that require focus at the same time, but it doesn't work that way.
1: And, and I think that's a, a perfect piece too, to segue and talk about just for a quick second, is that that part of being present and giving a hundred percent, because I know, I mean, I'm, I'm just as guilty as anybody else. I catch myself spending time with my daughter and then all of a sudden I'm checking my email or I'm, or I'm, or I'm doing something else. And so I've made a very conscious effort there as well to be a hundred percent present. And if that means I'm, you know, playing a video game or for, you know, watching her favorite TV show and we're just, you know, snuggled up elbow to elbow and having some popcorn then, you know, cause she's funny. She'll be like, mom, put your device down. Like I've even made that okay in our household to call each other out. Cause we call her out. Hey, it's, it's, we're not having any more screen time today. Right. And I try to model that for her. Am I perfect? No, no one is. But I think that part two, when you're mini tasking, as you called it, I love that. It also gives you the opportunity to be present and, and really present in whatever task you're working on. So I really love that. That's a, a great way to look at it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's really helpful for focus, for productivity and for mental health.
1: So we're going to wrap this up for today. This is the end of part one. Please tune in on Wednesday for part two, which will all be about meditation. That's the tool that you'll use to find mindfulness. You are going to want to tune in for the part two for the completion of this book discussion. And also Jamie has some specials for you and some freebies that she's going to offer just to our audience. And she's also recorded a special bonus five-minute meditation. So tune back in on Wednesday to get part two of today's conversation, finding calm in your chaos, and the special bonus episode on a five-minute meditation just for you. All right. One more thing. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast, be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast. And if you're enjoying the conversation we're having, please rate and review the podcast. I would love to hear your thoughts on what you think. And I look forward to seeing you back here on Wednesday for part two of the conversation and the bonus episode for meditation. You're going to love it. Bye for now.